prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. That is how it works, is when you testify of him. He's not dull and he's not boring and he comes alive. And if he could do it for one, he can do it for all. And uh, they came to him with various afflictions. They came to him with various diseases. They came to him with very to various torments. And he healed and saved and delivered them all. Not one was turned away. Even the little children were welcomed to him. And he put his hands on them and he spoke to them and he looked at them and they were healed, saved, and transformed. He used his voice, he used his eyes, he used his hands, he used mud. He used whatever the Father told him. This is Jesus. He was a man actually born from a mama. He had flesh and bones like us. He felt the temptations as we have felt them. But he humbled himself, knowing that his Father was the Holy Spirit. And this Spirit baptized him and empowered him to be so humble that he would not turn away from his Father's will. Because we had all been in sin and we had all turned away from the Father. The one who had birthed us at the beginning of time, he is the Father of all spirits, it says in the Bible. And yet when we were born on the earth, we turned away from him and said, I'd rather do my own thing. And we'd all fallen short of the glory of the Father. Jesus said, you are my brothers and my sisters, yea, you're even more. I have betrothed you. No longer your master, but your husband I will be, it says in Hosea. And so he came and he paid a very severe bridal price. The price for his bride was death on a cross, hanged on a tree, cursed by his own father, so that the wrath of the father would be on him and not on you and me. So that the guilt of our sin would be on his own son and not on you and me. The condemnation of sin would be on him and not on you and me. That we would have life and life abundantly and forgiveness evermore. He is full of truth. He knows what is wrong and what is right. He knows what is just and what is unjust. He knows what is corrupt and pure. But he is full of grace. And this is Jesus. If we go to John 1. John chapter 1. This is the gospel of Jesus. And this is who we have been testifying of this morning. The signs, miracles, and wonders come to those who believe in this man. John 1 verse 14. And the word became flesh. The word is capitalized because God spoke at the beginning and it was created. God is the word all-powerful and he came in the flesh. And he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, the Son of God, if you would. And he wasn't stern. He wasn't a taskmaster. He didn't give us any burdens. He didn't lord over us. He didn't strike us with a rod. He was full of grace and truth. 
Religion will tell you that he is beating you. He is condemning you. He is calling you always guilty. Religion will give you a bunch of loads. But when you behold Jesus, the word in the flesh dwelling among you by his Holy Spirit, you realize that he reveals the Father perfectly, who is full of truth and grace and a blessing to the thousandth generation. It's who he is. This is our God, and we walk in the name of our God. This is why we're called believers. We walk in who he is. He's full of faith. He's full of zeal. He is driven. He is focused. He is patient. He is kind. He's on the move. Today is all about the latter rains. Today is all about the latter rains. This morning is all about the latter rains. Deuteronomy 11 is the place where we first hear the phrase latter rains. And it's Deuteronomy 11, verse 14. And you may have heard this. It, there is a physical principle and a spiritual principle of latter rains in the Bible. And I, I, want, I want to give you the scriptures and let the Holy Spirit speak to us, okay? De Deuteronomy eleven fourteen. And then I, this is the Lord, he's speaking here. Then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil. 15. And I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. So Jesus tells us at the very beginning, this is the first mention, that he will give us actual rain, the early rain and the latter rain. In Israel, it is interesting because the time of planting is actually in the fall. So the early rains were actually in the fall, and they'd go through, and the latter rain was actually in the spring when they want to harvest. It's opposite of our North American plains <laughs> farming season. But either way, you have to have rain when you start and rain near the end. Now, rain doesn't bring in the harvest. The latter rain is what the rain is needed for the last harvest to be fruitful, for, for the seeds in your crop to be abundant, for the seeds that you, or for the fruit, or for the crop that you have planted to have a good yield, if you understand that term. So that the, if you're growing corn, the kernels aren't small, but they're bursting full of life. Because it's soaked up through the rain, the nutrients needed to produce a good yield. Cotton, very similar. And so the latter rains come for the work to be good at the end. The latter rains come not as a refreshing, but as a promise that there is going to be a good harvest with a lot of work involved and it'll be worth that labor. The latter rains come and you now know I'm prepping for a big harvest. The latter rains we often think of as refreshing and an outpouring and yes, it's part of it, but the latter rains are actually preparing you to what Brandy said last week of taking responsibility. 
Action is being ready for responsibility. Taking action is being ready for responsibility. So when you see the reins of the latter reins, that's what the Lord's telling me all about latter reins, it's actually to encourage you to take action by being ready for the responsibility of the harvest. Does that make sense? It's like, it's encouraging, but it's encouraging because at the end of the harvest season, there's going to be much reward. That's the encouragement. But the harvest doesn't come in by itself. The rains don't bring in the harvest. <laughs> the rains make them abundant. You with me? Hosea 6 is the spiritual side of the latter rains that we read in the Bible. If you go to chapter 6 of Hosea, you probably recognize it. Hosea 6, chapter... I mean, Hosea chapter 6, verse 3, specifically says, Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. There is a spiritual principle here. This is not the physical blessing that the God will bring you, a spring rain and a latter rain, those who seek his face and follow him. We have testimonies of, of farmers being in a drought in this land, but yet for some reason, the cloud springs up over their land and waters their fields and not the other ones around them. That's the physical blessing. The spiritual blessing is that if I look to know and if I'm pursuing the knowledge of the Lord here in Hosea 6.3, his going forth is going to be established as the rising of the sun. His coming to me will happen as I know the sun will rise in the middle of the night. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and the former rains to the earth. Do you understand that? Now, in the Bible, this is true. We read about, there are, if we were to take a physical principle, every year we know that there's going to be rain. And when it's not as much, we pray for more in this land. But then there's some years where we got a lot of rain. And we talk about the floods of the, ninth, what was it, 1958 through here? Right? Something around there? 1920s, 1950s. There's these, there was these episodes of rain. But every year there are seasons of latter and former rain. In the Bible, there are episodes of super high importance. Moses at Mount Sinai. Abraham being called. Right? Babylon. Jesus. Pentecost the floods of importance in the Bible, but in between, you find people who had an outpouring of a ladder and a former rain where God came to them. Hannah's, Samson's, Daniel's, Ezekiel's, Hosea's. People that we are encouraged by. Philip on the road. Lydia's. Aquila's. Right? Apollos. Do you know what I'm talking about? Agabus's people in the Bible that we relate to, that we see ourselves in, that that might not have been the flood, 
that is a doctrinal and creates this theology that changes everything, like King David. But there's a King Josiah who took foot at eight years old on the throne and brought a revival to his people. There are seasons, and we, we, we sang about it this morning, having a fresh outpouring. There are, la, there are early rains and latter rains in the Bible where God moves. And we see it over time, not just from 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost when everything came down. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit fell upon the early church. But ever since then, there are peaks, and in between, there are tremors of where God has poured out his rain. That is what we are believing for. In this place, we want him to continually make the peaks. But we will always receive every tremor of the latter and the former rains. These rains are what bring forth his movement. These rains are what bring forth his harvest. These rains are not the harvest. These rains are the outpouring for the laborers to be hurled into the harvest. That is what my sister was crying out for, that you aren't in your homes, that the people are in your homes. That you aren't in your homes, the people are in your homes. But you need a fresh outpouring to open your doors. You need a fresh outpouring to believe in who you're called to be, is what Brent was talking about. You have to believe in who you are to be, and you have to receive that rain that, oh, I am being filled with life. And we can get it. And we can go. And we can bring in the harvest. Sometimes rain looks like a shaking. My sons know this very well. When they see the clouds coming, their first question is, is there going to be thunder? Is there going to be thunder? Is there going to be thunder? I say it's a rainstorm. Be very, I'm very careful with my word thunderstorm. <laughs> it is a rainstorm. And then they hear the thunder and they go, that's thunder. I know, that's probably about 20 miles away. And you heard the one thunder from 20 miles away. Sometimes latter rains look like a shaking. Sometimes the thunder shakes. And we have been hearing of the shaking. But it comes with a harvest. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? Joel 2 is Joel 2 is where we start and then we'll go to Haggai. Joel 2 we're talking about the latter rains. Joel 2 this is in a very powerful chapter. We're going to go to 23 and 24 in and stay just on the topic, and you're hearing these verses kind of excluded from the context, but it's for a reason. Joel 2, 23 and 24. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully. And he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. 24, the threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. It takes a lot to make wine. It takes a lot to make oil. It takes a lot. 
But when you see these rains come, when you see these shakings come, it should encourage you not bring a grumbling spirit of this is going to take a lot of work. Because it is going to take a lot of work. It is. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the farmer does it for the joy of his wife at home. <laughs> the farmer does it for the joy of his wife at home. Truly. In the same way, if we do it for the joy of our Father in our heavenly home, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are not of this world. We are of the kingdom of heaven. These are spiritual principles talking here that your vats would be filled with wine and new oil. Those are all terms. Those are all synonyms in the spirit realm for the Holy Spirit. New wine, new oil, new rain. He has come like all of those. And we want him to continue to come in this place. We are believing for a great thing. We are believing for a flood. And we need you to believe. And I think of it like this. Somebody, we know in the Bible that this, at the very end, the very last chapter you can read it, it says the Holy Spirit and the bride of Christ say come. The Holy Spirit and the bride of Christ say come, Lord Jesus, come. And he who has ears to hear says come. So there is going to be a bride. It says in Revelation that there will be a bride made ready. So we have a choice. We can either believe it and do it or not believe it. And I have this in my gut, in my feeling. It's like somebody's going to believe for the impossible and do it. Why not me? If you don't want to, that's up to you. But somebody is going to believe it and be the bride, the glorious church that looks like Jesus and do the works that Jesus did and greater works shall he do. Somebody will do. A generation will do that. Young to old, old to young. So what if I, I have that choice and I choose to say, yeah, I'm going to believe this. The impossible things of healing Luke Eric's disease. The impossible things of settling the crisis of autism in our country. The impossible things that offends the snot out of heaven because they have, because the second heaven, not, not the third heaven, it, is sin, it offends the snot out of the second heaven because it's been dominating the airwaves. That's those powers and the principalities and the rulers and the hosts of wickedness. That's the second heaven. They dominate the airwaves and say, no, you cannot do that, church. You cannot speak that church. You cannot believe that church. And the Holy Spirit within the church says, I'm going to believe. Somebody's got to believe to fix it. And if Jesus can do it with a voice, how much more can I do it with fasting and prayer? Because some demons take fasting and prayer. If you know what I'm quoting, it's the Lord Jesus. When the disciples could not cast out the deaf and dumb spirit. And they went to Jesus and asked, why couldn't we do it? And he said, some of these take fasting and prayer, which is what Jesus had been doing for months on the mountainside before that one came. It takes what Brent was saying of being saturated because you don't know what's coming three months ahead and what you're being prepared for in authority. 
But if you couldn't believe it today, why would he bring you somebody in the future to, now I have to believe it. Now I have to believe it. We have to look at these things and we have to see our desperation and we have to see our frailty sometimes and that we can't do it. So I have to know the one who does do it in a greater measure, in a deeper measure, in a truer measure because somebody is going to believe this word and fulfill it. Why not me? Why not me? Somebody's going to believe all of the words on this page and do it. Why not me? Because they have all done it. We read in Hebrews 11, <laughs> people who just decided, I'm going to believe it. <laughs> right? Right? Hebrews 11, verse 13. Hebrews 11, verse 13. These all died in grumbling, complaining, doubt, unbelief. No. These all died. These all passed on full of faith, never doubting that they missed it. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them embraced them and confessed that they were strangers, aliens, and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, that this is not of my home. When you come in faith over a sickness, when you come in faith over an impossibility, you're saying, this is not from my home. This is not from my homeland. And I am an ambassador of that homeland. And where I go, I'm bringing my homeland, the kingdom of heaven. And I declare it plainly. Yeah. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return. That's your old man. That's your old flesh. That's your old ways. 16, but now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not to be ashamed, is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. <laughs> Go down to verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. I, I skipped the big, big rains here. I'm going for the, the little ladder rains that come every year. These are the little ones here in verse 30. Are you ready? By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies within peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women receive their dead. Women receive their dead, raised to life again. 
Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of the chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains in dens and caves of the earth, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the full promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. What is the promise that Hebrews writer is going after? The promise of the Holy Spirit in you. (laughs) The world was not worthy of them and they were believing that the Holy Spirit could dwell in man and never leave us. And that is what Jesus paid for, and that is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost is all about. This promise that so many had faith for. And now you are being asked, with the Holy Spirit in you, this is a Spirit-filled church. For an outpouring of the Holy Spirit as you've never seen before, and then not only beholding it, but holding it. So that he could pour again, and not having an old wineskin, but putting on the new wineskin, being able to hold it again. And beholding it again. And then not getting in the old wineskin, but then having a new wineskin so that he could pour out again and hold it again. Why? They said, where's that in the Bible? I have faith for things I have not seen and not ear has heard. And nobody knew that you could be thrown into a den of lions and live until somebody believed. And nobody knew that you could be throwing a dead man into the tomb of the prophet and live until somebody did it and God just did it. There's a lot of things in here that had never been done until Jesus did it. Until David did it until Elijah did it. And somebody's going to do the greater works that Jesus did. Why not believe and do it with him? That's the call. That's the adventure. That's the lifestyle. That's the surrender and the lordship of Jesus Christ. Yeah? Let's go to Haggai. Haggai 2. I probably say that wrong all my life. Haggai. Right before Zechariah. Haggai 2. We're going to go to verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and they shall come to what? capitalized in the New King James, the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the glory of the former. 
says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace. This has been fulfilled in the in the physical in that this house that in Zechariah and Haggai's time, the temple is the second temple was built and one came, the desire of the nations. <laughs> and he filled the temple. He stepped foot in that temple and brought peace by his own sacrifice of his body, Jesus Christ. The glory of Jesus surpassed the glory of Solomon's temple. It has been in the physical fulfilled, this prophecy, but in the spiritual <laughs> we now know that we are as one body, believers in Christ, the temple of the living God, says it in Corinthians. The body is made for the Lord and the Lord is made for the body. It had always been that way. And God wants to make the glory of his latter temple greater than the glory that he's ever had in his former temples. That should encourage you. But what does he do? He shakes all the nations and brings them to who? The desire of all the nations. He shakes all the nations. And ours is not to be an exception to the rule. To bring them to the desire of all the nations, Jesus himself. He is the joy. He is the desire. He is the inheritance. He is our exceedingly great reward. Yes? I want to read James and Proverbs, and that will be where we end today. James 5, to encourage you. James 5, verse 7 and 8. Whenever we talk about the latter rains, it, it's always that timing thing. When do they come? When is it going to happen? What day am I going to get this outpouring? And it's always in the Bible, in the right time, right? I will shake the nations. It'll be a little bit, right? It's always that. If the vision waits, if the vision tarries, wait for it. <laughs> and so James is like, you got to keep persevering and believing because those that perish in, in Hebrews 11, they never believed that they would miss it. And yet in the spirit, they have gained it. In the spirit, there are a great cloud of witnesses and are partaking of the glory with Jesus as one body. But on the earth, sometimes that faith, I'm never going to miss it, takes an endurance like you've never had before. Chapter 5, verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord, and see how the former waits for the precious fruit of the earth. How the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Nine, do not grumble against one another. Brethren, lest you be condemned, behold, the judge is standing at the door. When the rains come, don't be found grumbling about the work ahead. Proverbs sixteen fifteen is our is our concluding verse today. 
be patient and establish your hearts. Proverbs 16, verse 15. In the light of the king's face is life. In the light of the king's face is life. And his favor is like a cloud of the latter rain. In the king's face is favor. And his favor comes upon you like a cloud of the latter rain. We're in that season here where we can see in the United States we are in a shaking time and the favor of the Lord is going to look like a cloud of the latter rains and it might shake and thunder and lightning for a while but it's going to produce a harvest. It's going to produce people that have been shaken and driven to God. It will produce a waking up. As our children run to us in the nighttime, so will the lost run to the church. And we can be awakened in the middle of the night as parents and be grumbling and complaining that they woke up. Or we can be full of grace and truth and mercy and encourage and heal and save and deliver them. You hear in it. This, the favor might look a little different than you thought because it's going to bring work. The harvest will bring a great reward for King Jesus, though. That's what it's all about. And we are just servants saying, what more can I do to you, Jesus? Amen? Let's stand and let's just thank God. Shall we? Let's just thank God. So just lift your hands, and I just want you to thank him in the spirit. If you can speak in tongues, let's just thank God for all that he's been doing today and all that you received. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Speak it out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you. Thank you for your pouring Thank you for your fresh pouring Thank you for your awakening, God. Thank you for your newness of life. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for all you're doing today. Thank you for your healing. We say thank you, God, for your healing. We thank you for your outpouring on our hearts. We thank you for awakening us today. We thank you, Jesus, for, for shining your face on us, for giving us favor. We thank you, Father, that when we see your cloud of the latter rain, it encourages us and it spurs us on to be prepared and ready, saturated in your word, in the fundamentals of your kingdom. And we thank you for that faith from our homeland. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have need of or prayer for anything or confession, come on up here. In Jesus' name. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.